Welcome everybody to Podcast the Week for this, the weekend of WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling week of the year. And guess what? I'm not talking about wrestling. We're talking about the Avengers Age of Ultron a little bit in a moment. But yeah, this is a weekend of an unnecessary amount of wrestling. I'm not sure how much time I have for a lot of it. I think I'll just cherry pick good stuff on Video On Demand if stuff goes up on Video On Demand in a prompt fashion, which... Because this is wrestling, that's not a thing that happens generally because people don't like your money. But yeah, there's a, a good half of my Twitter feed is currently a good half of my Twitter feed is currently over in Orlando, which makes makes me sad. Indeed, nearly everybody that's ever been on this podcast is over in Orlando at the moment. But uh, me and Ken will be here early next week, hopefully Monday, probably Monday. We'll see about. Talking all about WrestleMania, we'll do a review of it, and we'll even do some predictions that we'll record beforehand and then see how wrong we were. I'm going to go bold. I'm already predicting Goldberg's going to win in the main event, so I'm going to be wrong. But you can hear that next week. Before that, Avengers Age of Ultron with Barry. Welcome back to Podcast of the Week, the next film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the big 11th film, the sequel to 2012's Avengers, and technically sequel to 10 other films, is Avengers Age of Ultron, released only two years ago in 2015, and once again joining me to talk about it is the wonderful Barry. Barry, how are things? Things are not too bad. It's a balmy, I'm going to use the, I'm going to, it's, I'm going to break out the summer vocabulary here, it is a balmy evening here in Limerick, so it's it's pretty chilled here. Yeah, because my 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 bedroom faces the sunset, so yeah, I can see the ah. sun just peeking over, peeking over the back wall, hmm. illuminating my Nintendo Switch right next to me, making it look even prettier. Oh, you're your new idol. Yes, it's just it's just sitting there, like like just 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 sitting in the sunlight, glistening. See your pride and joy. You had to tear yourself away from it to to watch Avengers. I did. Well, I finished Zelda, so you know I've reached the stage where I'm happy doing other things. It's, <laughs> it's not consuming my life anymore, which it did for a good two weeks. But we're not here to talk about Zelda. We're here to talk about Age of Ultron, which is a film that's only two years old and feels older. Yeah, maybe it's because there's been so much, so much has happened in the superhero sphere since this thing dropped, and in and really it felt like a blip at the time. Like, oh, here's this, this movie that's not very memorable. Uh, yeah, it feels like a long time ago. I suppose they did release Civil War, which is sort of an Avengers 2.5 a year later, and it was a better film. So you're just like, yeah, screw Age of Ultron, forget about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, it really was. And it's like, in the non-Marvel sphere, we've had, like, Logan and Deadpool, you know, the highs, and we've also had the lows of, like, you know, Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, like, like things... Uh, more, like the the trend is going upwards in terms of the sheer volume of these things coming out, um, and so it's easy to forget about this uh, this kind of less memorable uh, chapter. Similarly, with with Ant Man, not not to skip ahead to the next episode you and I are going to do, but uh, you know, it, it, it's hard. It, films that are somewhere near the middle are harder to to remember when everyone likes to everyone likes watching DC you know DC kind of crash and burn <laughs> and then and then we've also had the you know some superhero films soaring to new heights um uh, with things like Logan so uh yeah and this was just you know it's just it's just kind of there yeah that really, like it, it really is just there cuz i was watching this 
with like this is the second last film of phase two but it's kind of like the it's the team-up film of phase two yeah and you watch it it's it's mostly a sequel to iron man 3 i think because it, it brings, uh yeah it brings forward like robert downey jr with his ptsd stuff and his like the the, the effect that being in space with ro- robot aliens had on him that's kind of what drives this film and then like tour dark world it, it doesn't really do anything with captain no. america the winter soldier again doesn't really do anything with yeah, a, va- a vague uh, allusion to I think they don't even say Bucky. They just talk, talk about a missing person. That, you know, an obvious nod at it. Um, yeah, and you know the Iron Legion obviously is in it. So, so yeah, and that's again an Iron Man three thing. Uh, you know, so again, it's kind of the weird thing about the MCU is some of these kind of uh, bleed together. This feels very much like a, a kind of more an Iron Man thing than an Avengers thing, and, and Civil War felt more like an Avengers thing than a Captain America thing. Uh, you know, but. Um, yeah, and, and I don't think either of us were particularly big fans of Iron Man 3. Nope. Um, so, and much like that film kind of touched on the PTSD stuff and didn't really hit a home run with it, I feel like neither did this. Um, I, you know, uh, they they had very early on the, the very first kind of um, Scarlet Witch bit of sorcery we see in the film. Uh, she kind of implants that scary notion in, in, in Tony's head. And, and yeah, you know, it, it is somewhat important as as the film kind of steamrolls on, but but it it isn't a huge factor. Like like much like a lot of these MCU films or sort of the more middling ones like this one, it, you know, it's just really not especially character based. It's 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 a very kind of a by the numbers plot, and and there's little little you know threads of oh they could have you know again like Iron Man three they could have gone deeper on the, on the PTSD stuff, but they didn't. Um, so so yeah, definitely definitely more. Of a, it feels more Iron Man centric than a, than an ensemble piece. Yeah, and they they do drop those character centric ideas, as you said, with the with the Tony Stark thing, and with like the the Black Widow delve into her past just a little bit, and uh, even Hawkeye. They like they, for the first time, it's like Hawkeye's a person, you know. <laughs> yeah, which which I appreciate because uh, he's obviously has not and is almost certainly not going to get a standalone film. So I guess he has to get, you know, he has to get his backstory somewhere. Uh, although I did not really appreciate it in this film, it was not, <laughs> it was not, the, it was not one of the strongest elements of this film. Uh, yeah. So again, you know, the, I, I think we've we've said a lot as well on this show, um, and we've said it a lot in the Avengers Assemble episode, is that I do appreciate the difficulty of all the moving parts in a film like this. Like, look, you can't. Nece- I'm not saying you necessarily could do justice to a character having PTSD in a film where he has to share the screen with six other goodies and a bad guy and and so on and so forth. So I get it, but at the same time, it's just all, all those little character threads end up feeling just not very well um, fleshed out or taken advantage of. The only one, and I didn't really appreciate this the first time I watched the film, the only, the only kind of character arc I, I did like in this film was Hulk. Uh, I, I, I like that an awful lot. I completely forgot about the kind of uh, ambiguous ending. Um, uh, I So I, I appreciated that a lot, and I think that continues what you and I discussed before about how Hulk is, is... He's done justice, and he's done very well in these ensemble films, and maybe he's just not a character who could do a standalone film, uh, but they've done they've done quite well with him in, in these. Yeah, and he's, he's hitting on Black Widow, and like, poor Betty at yeah. home. Poor Betty's just left behind. Yeah, well, sorry, Betty. Yeah, get out of here, Liv Tyler. You don't have a... Actually, none of the women have roles in these films. 
Yeah, and that and it's funny that like Stark and Thor are like joking about their respective better halves. It's like I don't think we'll ever see Gwyneth Paltrow in any of these movies ever again. Maybe <laughs> yeah. she's in Infinity We're not War. I pay know. for them. <laughs> no, and, and certainly not. Like, yeah, she's probably not a cheap actress to employ for in this film with this gigantic cast. Would have been a you know it would have been a cameo, right? Yep. Um, they already you know they. Yeah, same with with uh, Portman and, and Dennings and all those other Thor characters. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't want to cast aspersions on Haley Atwell and like Stellan Skarsgård, who are kind of the supporting roles who pop up here in Idris Elba as well. But I'd imagine they come cheaper than Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, certainly. Idris Elba feels like a guy who's been on the verge of becoming this massive, massive Hollywood name, but like still not quite there. Like he's like I can't even remember the name of that action movie he was in like last summer, but I don't I don't remember it catching on especially well. Uh, I feel like as much as people think he'd be great in the role, I feel like they also want the James Bond thing to happen because it would finally put him in the upper echelon that he's been clawing at for a while. You know, he's kind of been that solid supporting guy for the longest time. Um, and and yeah, and and so yeah, I don't I don't imagine he was. Uh, I don't imagine they'd throw a load of zeros on the check to get him in this one. You know. You know when we were talking about Avengers, and you were talking about how you felt that you could look at that film and see how it was somewhat cynically assembled. Yeah. Pardon the assembled pun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would have pushed back on that there a, a little less so here. I think you can you can see this. It's just like, let's take the beats of the original Avengers. Let, let's wrap a kind of a, a, I don't want to say loose plot because it's, it's relatively well plotted, even if it's not a, all that original plot. But yeah. it, it does feel like it's just, let's just retreat the Avengers. People love that. Let's just kind of do it again. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I feel like on on rewatching Avengers Assemble and, and discussing it with you, I did the 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 charm of everything they were doing did outweigh the assembly line nature of it to an extent. But with this one, it was like I, I was just like I'm, I was so I feel like I was actually like frustrated watching it. I was like this this is so uninspiring in, in so many different ways. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a couple of different lines that really bother me. Uh, uh, in in that they are, it's like they're hammering home the extremely basic uh, thrust of a scene to to the um the audience. The the big the big there was a couple, but the big one that jumps out at me that I recall is when Iron Man says in the final act, it, it's he says something effective. It's simple. Ultron touches this, it's game over. Um, which is basically to set up. The, all the good guys standing around the goal, basically, in like in a video game, and it's like horde mode. Hold back the enemy yep. for X amount of minutes. And it feels like uh, it feels like the whole film is built again around that shot, where it's just they're doing the the circular camera thing around the, the, yep. the people standing around the the MacGuffin thing in the middle that no one can get to. And it, yep. it, you you can see the cynicism here. And I realize I realize perhaps it is slightly. I don't know if tongue-in-cheek is the right word. It's a little bit knowing, a little bit nodding at the camera. But there, there's that. There's also the intro shot where they all slow-mo over the barricade in sync with each other. I think that's a cooler like, shot, though. I, I, it is cooler, but I was like, I think there's just too much of that in these Whedon films. It's just, it's just, it's too, like, here's a trailer shot, folks. That's what this is. This is for the trailer and the promotional images. Now, it's cool. I won't deny that. But it's just like you look at you know uh, the uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War with the Russo brothers, and like their action scenes are equally as badass. But they, I don't think there's anything as phony. Now maybe we'll rewatch Civil War and I'll I'll, I'll realize I'm wrong. But but 
it's just it, it, a lot of it comes off contrived. Uh, uh, you know, again for like for like promotional images, I feel, um, and and in general, I actually kind of find the action kind of unsatisfying in this. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, the Star Wars prequels where they're tearing through droid, battle droids like they're nothing. Yeah. So there's a lot of like tension-free action in this where they are just obliterating Iron, Iron Legion with one hand. Um, uh, you know, like the opening scene again, they're just absolutely kicking everyone's ass. Uh, you know, and again in, in the closing scene, kind of tension-free. Uh, also, I didn't notice this when I first watched it, but I was watching this back and I was like. CGI in this movie is like uh, not as awesome as you would expect for a huge, huge, huge production like this. Um, like, like especially during a lot of the fight scenes when dudes are getting knocked backwards and things like that. Kind of, and and a couple of the chase scenes um, where, like Black Widow in particular, I remember a couple of very standoutish shots where she's not, like on her bike and it's like really painfully obviously like her against a green screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not top drawer in the action department. You know, and I, which is kind of what people, at the very least, expect. I mean, I don't know that anyone's really coming to this expecting a hugely original plot, but um, yeah, the action was all just very numb to me, all very tension free, and and not the not the most well produced uh, either. Yeah, so so that it wasn't scratching that itch for me either, really. It, it I would have said it, it almost felt a little rushed. The action, it, like it, like the the CGI is is there, but like it's as if they just didn't have time to one hundred percent finish it. Right, and like this film did cost a quarter of a billion dollars to make, so mm. you know they, they might have reached the stage where it's like, lads, we can't pour any more money. This film did make one point four billion dollars, but they probably reached a stage where it's like we can't inflate this budget anymore. Yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> there is a lot of moving parts in those action scenes, especially toward the end when you introduce people like Vision and Scarlet Witch. You know, Captain America, you can keep it a little more grounded, probably a little more practical. But when you when you have people with mind powers just making yeah, random yeah. robots go full, it's like, well, um, yeah. So and 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 uh, what, the one the one scene I do really like though, um, uh, is the uh, sort of plane, train, automobile uh, chase in the middle of the film. Yep, that's, uh, that's the one action uh, scene that feels kind of sort of novel. Yeah, As yeah. Opposed to like this, let's the, the putty syndrome, as I said last night from Power Rangers. They're just putties. They're they're random things to be mown down without you even thinking about it. Yeah, that 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 one's got some some stuff going on, and so I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, it's not again. You know, the the we the Russo films are are a level above. Um, the, this kind of feels just a, a smidge or two below the the average MCU film for me personally. By that one scene, so yeah. yeah. This film does introduce two new characters, one of which was Quicksilver, which was a very bad idea after X-Men Days of Future Past, which had that yeah. awesome Quicksilver scene. And that was yep. it. Like, there's nothing wrong with Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver in this film. There's, like, literally, not, except that he's introduced to die, and that's pretty much the only reason he exists. Yeah. But, but like, after watching X-Men, and it's just like, ah, guys, sorry, you lost. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with him really at all. It's just... Yeah, you couldn't compare, uh, and I feel like I feel like maybe the the lesson there is the the rare handful of characters that that are in the overlapping sections of that Venn diagram of who owns what. Probably best just not to bother because you're only going to get compared. Yep. Uh, and it's not and it's not like these studios don't have enough. All of them have a million characters to work with. I don't think they need to work to to 
hedge their bets with these people that are also in the other you know, studios realm. But uh, yeah, tell you what though, on the subject of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, who, who I thought were good characters, I thought they had decent characterization. I like the actors involved. The accents were killing me. Oh, they're, they're, they were they're dreadful. They're dre- I, th- I, I think Elizabeth Olsen's was a little better. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, both of them is just like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, and you know, from you know, fake Russia, not Russia, whatever it is, you know. They like have you know. <laughs> yeah, that has a, so much like unapologetic. Like it looks like Russian kind of like iconography and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. It's just like. Okay, whatever. Fair enough. You didn't want to, You didn't want to, I mean, look, I understand. Whatever a movie studio doesn't want to use a real country, I get it. But oh, those yeah, those accents were dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Um, yeah, they introduced him to kill him off, which uh, I know you and I are probably on the same page with regards to the uh, the final act. But um, like, I, mean, I, I, part... I I enjoyed the first I think thirty minutes of this film because it's just like banter and fun. You know, the usual yeah. them sitting in a room throwing throwing jokes at each other. And then, right. like, after Ultron's introduced, there's, like, a lull for a good, like, 50 minutes. And then there's that train scene you talk about, which is like, ooh, this film is good again for a while. And then there's that closing act, which is, it's just, like, them mowing down inconsequential robots for 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. by the end of it, you're like, I don't care. You can drop that weird meat. You're like, that, his plan is to lift a chunk out of the Earth far enough into the sky and then drop it on Earth to form a meteor. It's just like, what? You have an yeah, army of robots. Just go kill people. Just go kill people, yeah. It's, it's so contrived. There's so little sense of danger because as we talked about a lot before, everyone gets saved in all of these movies to, to the annoying degree I remember, I remember being so annoyed with that when I left the theater when I saw this the first time. I was like, God, you know, that, that woman in that car. Like, I, look, I realize you can't, it's, it's tough because you can't make Captain America look like a jackass. Like, he tries to save a woman in a car and she falls to her death. But, but on the flip side, like, you, you also could if you really, I mean, to, to give it a sense of gravitas. Um, and the only character that they kill is the one they introduce who is not in the film a whole lot. Um, you know, it just it just feels so lame, and and it, yeah, look, the plan is contrived. The the protect this thing, you know, that's contrived. The the whole, pretty much every facet of it just didn't wash with me uh, really at all. Um, the only the only kind of redeeming factor I liked for the last act was the was the conversation between Ultron and Vision. Vision in general was an interesting character after he was introduced. Yeah, and I I, I remember when I first saw him, I thought he looked a bit goofy, but um, I got over it, and uh, yeah, you know. Uh, you know, I, I I appreciate you know he he's kind of wise and he's got that whole thing where he's not really human, so he doesn't really fit in, um, which they do they kind of explore more in Civil War, um, but yeah, he's I think he's a solid character for sure. There seems to be been like Man of Steel was like roundly criticized for just mass slaughter of human beings. Yeah, like like hundreds and millions of people die in that film just for the sake of Superman smashing through buildings, and I feel like there's been a knee jerk reaction in some films the other way. Whereas, like, as you said, this film can kill anybody except that one character introduced to die. But, like, nobody can die. It's like, we have to get everybody off of this this weird island thing. And obviously we know in Civil War not everybody got off that weird island thing. But, yeah, it just it just feels like some... I don't want to say these films have lost their balls, but, like, they could do it killing some people just to raise the stakes. 
Yeah, and, and like there has to be a middle ground because I think part of the problem also with Man of Steel is that now in Batman v Superman they acted like oh everyone hates Superman now for this reason he kills people but if you I mean if you go back there's just no attention drawn to the the vast amounts of destruction he's he's causing it's all just done as a, as a as you know something to keep you know something shiny to amuse exactly. the viewers yeah so so that I mean that that was the problem more so than the body count was that they weren't treating it with any level of gravitas they they tried to retroactively do that in in BBS and and this you know again you know they could have people you know in, in a tiny quantity I'm not saying obviously because these are also you know more family appropriate films um you know they could you know, make it seem like there are some casualties because, because again, you're building these villains up. Uh, you know, Ultron being a good example as the, the most dangerous thing imaginable, and it's like, well, did, what did they do over the course of this film? What they mind control the Doctor for a bit, mm-hmm. p- punch Captain America, which everyone does, <laughs> and like nobody dies. There's not a single casualty. And again, kind of like Batman v Superman, we'll talk about how great Civil War is in a few episodes. But they kind of like retroactively like try to act like there was there's. There was more collateral damage than there really was, you know. Um, that was the one. Th- that, that was the one thing that did kind of bother me about Civil War, is that I, was, I came out of it thinking that was a great movie. It was like Batman v Superman, but really good. <laughs> Except they they they, they kind of rewrote their history a little bit uh, uh, to suit their that that film story. But yeah, so yeah, it's all just a little bit too clean and tidy and and everything in a neat little package. And, and much akin to the um, all the dramatic team up shots we discussed there a few minutes ago, e- everyone being saved and happy and riding off into the sunset is a little too like Saturday morning cartoon for me. It's just yeah. a little too, uh, you know, family action adventure film by the numbers, you know, uh, which is a bummer. And it's, it's a shame because I think James Painter is very good in this film. Yeah, and his like his his opening scene in in the the Stark Tower. I think that's a really cool scene. He seems like menacing and threatening and kind of conflicted. There's there's it's a good character introduction, and then it goes nowhere. Yeah, I I like that scene. I I also like like the busted kind of prototype body he's in. Yeah, uh, it's very creepy looking. His his voice is tremendous. He's got a great voice, and obviously they they you know they tinker with it a little bit. There are some filters on it and whatnot. It's a very cool scene. And, and I feel like that's kind of the peak for the character, really. I think, and, and what was great about it was that, like in that scene, he's like a little bit pithy, I think. Yeah. But he's not. He's not bringing the banter. The, the idea is he's the like film, the he's the dark side of Tony Stark, so he, he has some of that that like that snappy dialogue as well in there. Absolutely, yeah. But like for the rest of the film, I, I was like, there's he is cracking too many jokes here. Like this is too. Like it's way he's way too comedic. I think it really hurts his his menacing factor that he is just he's cracking wise the whole film, uh, and uh, even more so on a rewatch. I was like, oh man, I completely forgot about some of these zingers. They're, they're not even uh, good zingers either. That's the problem as well. It's yeah, like, you're not like laughing, you know. It's like there's there's a little cringe behind all of them. It's like, Ugh. yeah, and like even at uh, the end, they try to redo like the Hulk and Loki's uh, scene where he's throwing him out of the plane, and he's like, oh, and it's like, oh, guys, stop! It was good in the first film. Yeah, yeah, and again, like, and if you go back and watch the trailer, which despite being an Avengers cynic, like when these movies were first coming out, I remember watching the trailer and and kind of akin to Suicide Squad of all films to make a comparison to. The trailer made it seem super dark. Like like this was a this was like the potentially the end of the Avengers. They really they had 
I don't think they had any quips from Ultron in there. It was all very menacing. Uh, <laughs> I did laugh rewatching this because I only noticed that this, this on this viewing uh, <laughs> the footage of the broken shield from Captain America's broken shield was used so prominently in the promotion of this film, yep. and it's a, a five second daydream sequence in yep. the first that, twenty minutes. Of film. That is that is the, the most like like cynical marketing I've ever seen because like people know oh that that's like an evocative shot. It's a great piece of imagery. And it's yeah. it has nothing to do with the film. The film isn't yeah, about whole, that at all. Yeah, the whole the whole trailer is kind of like that. It's very dark. Like this could potentially be the end of the Avengers. And the film is really and the film is really not. It's another kind of happy go lucky adventure where the bad guys about to escape and Hulk gets to be like, oh come on, Hulk, I'm flying here. <laughs> you know, it's just like oh lads, you you didn't you didn't stick the landing or even close. And again, yeah, kind of like Suicide Squad. They had that first trailer. That made everyone think. Oh, all right, you know, you kind of go. You, you know, maybe you're going a little too dark, but whatever. We'll give it a chance. And then the movie came out, and it's this this weird, stupid movie that's like broken in some ways. You know, like you know there's good ideas in bad. there, but they don't go anywhere, and it's just it's like oh. <laughs> Yeah, God, that's a whole other that's a whole other day of discussion. And it's like, I mean, to be fair, like it's it's not that bad. Obviously, we've said this a million times. There's a level of craftsmanship to this film that is not. Uh, uh, that, that that means it cannot really go below a certain level. But again, cynically produced, very by the numbers, uh, and very safe. It's a very safe movie. It is. And our, our Stanley cameo, he's just a random guy in the Avengers party. He got drunk, though. I, I thought that was... De- you know, I laughed when he said Excelsior. Yeah, his drunk delivery of Excelsior was, was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, it's not just Ultron. I think in general, this film is way more comedic than nearly nearly anything else Barrett Guardians, maybe. Um, and I think it's, other than Ultron stuff, I think it's decently funny. I like the, uh, the the setup of the Thor thing and the payoff with Vision was very good, I thought. You know, yeah. that's... that's that, that's oh, pretty, yes, the, ham, the hammer. That, I think that's the best. Like, that's, that's a lovely little idea in this film that's set up as like a, a kind of jokey scene where they're just sitting around goofing around. And then it, it comes back around, and it's like, oh, that that's how we justify trusting uh, Vision. And it's like, that's that's really smart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think kind of the other, in terms of, uh, in terms of the threads here that are paid off later, or that may be paid off later, we got Thor going back to Asgard at the end of this one. Um, Hulk is missing. Yeah, Hulk, Hulk is missing. Thor has not returned. He returns in the post-credits of Doctor Strange, but he has not yet returned in a... Uh, a feature film uh hulk now was this speculation or is this was this confirmed is are they doing kind of a planet hulk thing with thor ragnarok yep hulk is uh, is like a featured character in thor ragnarok i think that might be pretty cool yeah. i will uh I, I i'll be interested to see that um so yeah hulk's missing thor has gone home and other than that everyone seems pretty dang uh content obviously the reason thor leaves because he's aware the Infinity Stones. There's 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 a doing transpiring, and uh, we get our our post credit scene with uh, with Thanos. Yeah, which I don't know why because I I didn't have a problem with it in Guardians, but for some reason seeing it in the context of this film, it's like that Thanos design is kind of goofy. He he didn't uh, yeah it looked it looked too CGI. Yeah yeah almost almost like too colorful or something. It's weird. Yeah, and, and, or maybe maybe it's just because you know it's an Avengers film, so it's a little bit more as you know it's on planet Earth, whereas in Guardians he's in his weird floating chair, literally in the middle of space, you know. Yeah. So it looks more apropos. Whereas coming at coming after the credits of this movie, where it's just eh, it's another fight scene in New York or wherever the hell I don't even know where this you know you know what I mean. It's like it's it's weird, but uh, 
But anyway, that's a minor thing. I mean, that's that's that was a cool little cameo because this is the first time you saw him in in the the quote unquote regular universe. Uh, uh, by, you know, you know, aside from the the space dwelling side of things, but uh, yeah, it was alright. And in fairness, this film does kind of lead into Civil War as well. With Robert Downey Jr. or Tony Stark not really trusting himself anymore and wanting to sign up to laws that place checks on his power. That kind of makes sense coming out of this film. Yeah, and and, and you know, again, he he is the the root of all, of all these problems for the Avengers, so planting seeds uh, uh, of of uh, dissension. I mean, I I think the dissension between the Avengers is way overplayed. Oh yeah, especially uh, in the middle of this film where they just have to fight because villains can never be interesting. They just have to fight for a while. They have to fight each other. Yeah, God, and uh, and plus it's just like Tony's character. Like it's hard for me to root him, root for him because he's he's just a jackass. Like I just and after like after the whole the whole thrust of the film is that he accidentally creates Ultron. He still wants I'm to do it like, again. <laughs> he wants to do it again, and, and like like. Are we supposed to think, oh, actually, he's not a fool. He's a genius because Vision's good. Like, no, it's still dumb and arrogant of him that he wanted to do it. I, you know, I, I just, I find that character so unlikable. That's why I was worried about Civil War. I was like, ah, it's, it's not really going to be much of a conflict for the viewer if, if this guy is just an ass. But, um, but yeah, so, so at the very least, they did plant seeds for that, uh, uh, for Civil War and, and for more stuff to come. The film did make $1.4 billion. It's the seventh highest grossing film of all time, so it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it did. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, that's Avengers Age of Ultron. It's it's okay. Yeah. Which is a ringing endorsement of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, if, I was, if I was going to, like, handpick my favorite ones to marathon before Infinity War, I'd probably, even though it's it has some important aspects, I'd probably give it a skip. I mean, it, is, it is weird that you can skip, like, the big team-up film, but you can. It's just, like, it, it yeah. kind of doesn't matter. It's like, there's Infinity Stones here, but we knew that already. Thanos is here, but we knew that already. So, exactly. yeah. before we go, Barry, plugs. Uh, Twitter.com slash uh, the Barry Lad. Uh, Musings about what's going on in the world and links to my various other projects at youtube.com slash uh, youtube.com slash Barry Murphy Lad. Uh, those uh, those are my main plugs. There are various playthroughs and things going on on that YouTube channel. And next up is the final phase, uh, film in Phase Two, which is weird that there's another film after the team of film, which is Ant Man. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's odd positioning. I I guess the rationale was that they didn't want to have him in the ensemble piece and but they didn't want to have him debut before it yep. you know what I mean and then have him weirdly excluded so I guess not that it doesn't really matter I mean, no cares? no it doesn't it really doesn't um, they're weird yeah. little classifications of how these films slot together yeah exactly it's like it doesn't really matter and, and, and the funny thing is that like further making Civil War this weird faux Avengers film is that he's in that one Yep. You know, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to rewatching that one because I remember thinking it was okay. And my favorite bits about it were the the bits that had Edgar Wright's fingerprints all over them, and I remember being disappointed that it's so transparently obvious he was not there through the whole process because there's bits of him in there, but not 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 enough to really make it a standout film. So I'm looking forward to maybe revisiting it and uh, and seeing how it holds up. That is the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Barry for coming on to talk about Age of Ultron. We'll be back before long to talk about Ant-Man. Next week, you can hear me and Ken talk about WrestleMania 32? 3? 
33 numbers they don't like numbers anyway they've gotten rid of them you can listen to new episodes of podcast a week every single week at soundcloud.com forward slash twskk you can subscribe on itunes by searching for the twsk network or subscribe on youtube follow me on twitter at jerry goodney ga or ettkidney thanks for listening and bye bye <laughs>